In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Gospels for the first two weeks of the pre-Lenten season have been horticultural. The parable of the laborers in the vineyard last week and the parable of the sower and the seed this week reflect the truth that the kingdom of God is a living, growing thing, like a vineyard or a planted seed. And each parable addresses a different aspect of spiritual gardening. The laborers in the vineyard illustrate that we are gardeners. Laborers pull the weeds, water the vines, and prune the branches. And this corresponds to the disciplines of the spiritual life by which we tend to the spiritual life that has been planted within us. The sower and the seed illustrate that we are also plants. Like plants that grow, we encounter obstacles to our growth. And we can identify in the parable the three principal obstacles to growth, the three what are called uh, the enemies of the soul, our three adversaries, sources of temptation in the spiritual life. And these uh, hinder our growth. They are the world, the flesh, and the devil. The temptations that, that represent the world in the parable are the seed that fell among the thorns. These are those who are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. These are the external lures of things in the world. The flesh is represented by the seed on the rocky soil. Those who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. This re represents how our own hardened hearts preoccupy with our own disordered desires prevent the life of Christ from taking deep root within us. The devil is identified by name as the spiritual force that crushes faith before it even has an opportunity to grow. We renounced these three enemies in baptism, and we promised in baptism not to follow nor be led by them. The seed on the good soil in the parable brings forth fruit with patience. The word patience in this passage means steadfastness or perseverance. And the use of this word implies that the seed on the good soil also had to contend with these enemies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. The difference is the seed on the good soil persevered faithfully through these temptations in order to produce fruit. Thus, we must be faithful gardeners who persevere in the disciplines of the Christian life so that our lives will produce fruit. We are tempted to fall prey to easy spiritual solutions that avoid the real work. We are tempted to practice the outward form of our religion while neglecting the interior spiritual battle. Or we're tempted to see salvation as a static possession 
rather than a living, growing thing that can grow or stagnate. Perhaps the greatest temptation in our time is what is called in the tradition sentimentality. And this is the temptation to substitute warm feelings for hard work. The beautiful thing about faithful spiritual gardening is that our faithful labor is always fruitful. <clears throat> when we do this horticultural work in Christ, in the spirit, the life within us grows. Fruitful labor in God's kingdom and vineyard replaces the futile labor of life in the world in Adam, the labor that, according to Genesis, produces only thorns and thistles. The coming season of Lent is an opportunity for spiritual gardening, for fertilizing, weeding, and pruning that will produce new things. In thinking about what we will do for Lent, it's helpful to understand some of the basics of spiritual horticulture, how certain spiritual disciplines combat certain specific enemies to facilitate our growth. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus describes the three basic spiritual disciplines. He mentions almsgiving, fasting, and prayer. And these <clears throat> each match up with the enemies of the soul. The world is the lure of external and temporary rewards, epitomized by the deadly sins of covetousness and envy. The temptation of the world is combated primarily by almsgiving. The world keeps us captive by tempting us to pursue the things it offers us. And we combat this temptation by giving things away. This begins with our tithe, by which we commit all we have to God by offering it back to him in thanksgiving, the first and best. But it continues with an attitude of generosity, a continuing open hand that answers the greed and acquisitiveness of our world by giving. Almsgiving is not limited to money. It is characterized by an attitude that is willing to be humble and to yield. For example, when there is a competition for the seemingly scarce resource of status and recognition, almsgiving is willing to let others have it, to give the status and the recognition away. Generosity in giving frees us from captivity to the world and its rewards and cultivates within us the experience of God's joy and God's peace. The flesh is our own disordered desires, which make us susceptible to what the world offers. The world wouldn't be tempting unless something in us was drawn to it. The flesh is epitomized 
by the deadly sins of lust, gluttony, and sloth. The flesh promises us that when our appetites are fulfilled, we will be happy and contented. But what the flesh really does is make us captive to patterns of consumption that leave us spiritually empty. We combat the flesh by fasting, by saying no to things we want. The fruit of fasting is freedom from captivity to our appetites. We can only say yes to things in the right way at the right time if we have the strength and the freedom also to say no to them. In Lent, we practice the no so that we can return to the yes with greater freedom and greater pleasure. Fasting is about more than food and drink. The elephant in the room in our discussions about fasting is the various forms of media to which just about all of us are addicted in some measure. Our phone and media addictions cause us to be perpetually distracted from God, from the presence of other people, and often just from life. If you do not think you have an addiction that needs attention, just leave your phone at home for a day and do not turn on any electronics or the TV and see how you do. It's hard to see how we can have a fruitful Lent without saying no to the elephant in some measure. The devil is an unseen spiritual force. He aids and abets the temptations of the world and the flesh, acting as a kind of cheerleader. However, the devil doesn't really care about the sin itself. He is aiming for the guilt and the sense of separation from God that will be caused by the sin. This will provide an opportunity for him to accuse us and to get us to engage in self-loathing leading to despair. His ultimate aim is to get us to abandon our faith. Demonic temptation can only be combated by constant prayer. First Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. By prayer, we stay connected to God and to his forgiveness and grace. And this gives the devil no room to tempt us or accuse us. As 1 John says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We resist demonic temptation not by occasional acts of heroic prayer, but by the habits and disciplines of prayer that keep us continually mindful of God and aware of his presence. Constant prayer keeps us watchful 
which means to be aware of and to resist the temptations that constantly surround us. When we stumble, we combat demonic temptation by confessing our sins and renewing our experience of grace. The answer to the accuser is the cross, through which our sins are forgiven and we are reconciled to God. The pre-Lenten season is a time to reflect on the state of the seed of God's word that has been planted in our hearts and to consider what kind of gardening work is needed to help it grow. The best Lent is composed of disciplines that aim at our real spiritual issues rather than just randomly giving up things. Do I need to free myself from slavery to some appetite or attachment through fasting? Do I need to detach from the world through the practice of tithing, almsgiving, and generosity? How do I need to develop my life for prayer to better combat the assaults of the evil one? For most of us, a good Lent will include some measure of all three. Pray about these things for the next week or so and let the Holy Spirit lead you into a practice of Lent in which you, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.